0: Uh, I can almost hear Pastor Dwight biting at the bit. <laughs> He's a high-energy guy, and I'm sure he really wishes he could be here. But uh, even though the situation with uh, pastors recovering from COVID and, I know, Janie is uh, just taking care of him and working her way through things, too, uh, we miss them and, and look forward to having him back in a short period of time. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, we were up uh, in State Center, Iowa, uh, with our middle daughter, and we did a little bit of grandson. Uh, not really babysitting because they're 16 and 17, so you don't babysit those guys. But you know, you just spend a little time with them because mom and dad weren't there, so we had a chance to to interact. But one of them, I was working on this at the table, and the oldest said, "You know, he asked grandpa, what you, you know, what you doing there? You got the computer out? You're working on stuff?" And I told him, I said, um, "I'll be doing a pulpit supply," and uh, he said. He says, well, do you get nervous? And I said, uh, he's a wrestler. He, he wrestles, and he's a junior, and he, he does okay. I said, do you get nervous for your wrestling matches? And he kind of looked at me, you know, and he says, well, I see what you mean. I said, then once you get going, you know, it's not, you don't even know it. So, you know, he kind of could relate to that being a, a wrestler getting into the match, and then pretty soon you don't even know what's going on. You're just going at it. And that's kind of like this. There is the apprehension of, you know, and, uh, like Albert and I were talking, did you prepare, you know, did you, were you able to get things under control, and are you prayed up, and, and so on, uh, and and so it's a privilege to be here, and thank you for this opportunity uh, to share. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit about the Peru ministry, just a little bit, uh, a lot of people ask, and I want to make sure that uh, we're all on the same page, and then I do have a, a message that uh, I've entitled Gratitude, Past, Present, and Future. So, a look at the seminary, just a, a few pictures. Uh, that's a, a, it's a good group picture. I'm not sure if it's all of them, but you can kind of see our, our, our young people, uh, boys and girls, uh, at the seminary. Uh, they had graduation. Graduation occurs in December. It's in the southern hemisphere, so everything is a little bit different, as you know. Uh, they're in uh, summer vacation right now from December, January, and February, but those are our graduates, and they had their graduation, I believe, on December 5th. Uh, I wanted to just show you a picture of one of my classes. Uh, I teach the book of Revelation, and that's a timeline that they're required to do with the tribulation in all the many terms, and, and that's a biggie project, so they're always uh, happy to show that off and uh, i'm really happy to to let you see it. They put in a lot of time and effort on that, but that's one of my classes, uh, revelation, uh, along with teaching the book of Acts, Daniel, uh, Baptist Church History, and uh, two biology classes, biology one and biology two. Um, because of, of of you folks to a great extent we're able to get we're able to do things at the seminary and this is one of the examples of being able to do things. Uh, this is what we call the new dorm. Uh, it's, this is the very beginning of the project, and uh, this is a lot of progress. This is about two and a half years later. And so you can see the second floor has been finished. The rooms are not finished, but because of, of finances from supporters, uh, you know, in particular Southview, uh, we're able to make a lot of good progress. So we're just pleased to be able to, to show you that. Uh, One of the other things that was very much personalized to to this church was our uh, book commentary project for our pastors in the area. We have about 80 pastors uh, in our area of like faith and practice, and uh, we were able to purchase them a wonderful uh, Wiersbeck's commentary uh, because of you folks, and uh, they're going to benefit greatly. There is just almost unlimited information there for to help them put together messages. So so pleased to, to say that to you. There have been some glitches. COVID has caused glitches here, and COVID is called glitched, has caused glitches there. And um, in fact, there's been students staying in, uh, in the apartment that we live in uh, while we're there in Peru. We've had students stay in that campus because that's where they were quarantined. But the good thing is, they still get to take classes via Zoom, and uh, so that's, that's a blessing and a half. Uh, in our area of, of the city called Utabamba, they require two masks and a shield to go shopping along with curfew restrictions and limitations, and it's really hard to keep up with all the curfew limitations. They get sent to us, but they change all the time. But at least people can get out and about, and they can go shopping even though there are, there are limits. Our plans, uh, our plans are to go back, and um, I wanted to say this just to kind of be as clear as I could. I'd like to say, you know, it's 100% sure we're going back to, to teach at the seminary, but new restrictions over the Omicron variant or what have you are looming, and it may cause us to teach uh, online again through Zoom. So um, I'll keep you posted through Pastor Dwight for sure, but God knows and time will tell. Uh, the situation, but we're planning to go back uh, for the start of classes. The, the fr- uh, classes start on uh, March 7th. Um, so that's, that's where we are with the, the Peru situation. Uh, I wanted to just show you some prayer requests. As you have opportunity to think about Peru or think about our, our seminary, uh, these are some important things that uh, we just like you to lift up in prayer as you have opportunity. Uh, upcoming school year... Uh, is very important. Uh, sometimes the COVID situation causes our students to debate, should I stay home and help mom and dad? Or should I stay home and, and work here and do this? Or can I go to my studies? So it's, it's, a, it's a tricky situation and not always a, an easy decision to make. Staff and administration, some of that is the same with uh, many of our pastors come in from the area and they teach, but we also have a number of folks coming from the states that come in and have to fly down and do all those things. And if they can't fly down and, and do that, they have to teach via Zoom. So we'd ask you to uh, just please keep keep that whole situation in your prayers. And you could see the other prayer requests there that we'd like you to just uh, just to lift up. Uh, before I get started, I'd like to have a word of prayer. Uh, the message is going to be uh, on gratitude, past, present, and future. But let's pray. Well, Lord, it's a privilege to, to be in the pulpit, and uh, just thank you so much for this opportunity. May you be honored, may you be glorified through what is said and what is thought, in your Son's precious name, amen. So, you know, I've been reminded in putting the message together that there had already been something kind of heavy on my heart, and uh, I don't know if you'd call this a you know a serendipitous kind of thing where I get asked to do this and it, and it works out. Uh, but to to me it is because there's this whole idea of of being thankful to God uh, has become more important to me because I've found myself kind of at times dwelling on the negative and uh, what's happening around us you know and Wendy and I have had discussions where we end up talking about this headline or that headline and uh you know we're not particularly pleased with the headline because it's not something we think is God-honoring, but I, I, I'm, I was seeing more of the headlines before I really stopped and thought about the reality of an almighty sovereign God, and that's where I should have started in the first place. So that's kind of the backdrop for our time together, that uh, that's where I'm coming from, and I hope that, you know, those of you that maybe be a tad bit negative about things, whether it be the politics uh, of of this or that, that maybe we we should refocus a little bit and, and put the sovereignty of God that he is in charge first, and all everything else comes second so the the Bible teaches us a great deal about gratitude, and the gratitude is is often demonstrated is often demonstrated in in prayer now it 's often played out in the life of a person, but it 's often demonstrated in prayer too. And I think that's the thing that that I wanted to say to myself, and that's the thing that I that I that I wanted to say to you, that our our gratitude should play itself out both in our prayer life and, and of course, in our actions. Uh, many a pastor has delivered a sermon on prayer, and rightfully so, sermons. On the aspect, of, uh, we've heard sermons on the aspects of prayer, the elements of prayer, the necessity of prayer, and it's those are absolutely crucial. In fact, the Bible uh, has over six hundred and fifty prayers in it, according to the interactive Bible that I that I like to use as a resource. There are seventy to 70 to eighty direct or indirect references to prayer in the Book of Revelation, and some of those. Uh, and I, don't, I know, pastor has gone through. Revelation in a wonderful way, but some of the prayers are hymns and declarations and worship and supplications. And and so many of these prayers reveal the end time events of Jesus as the conquering King of Kings. And they also reveal wonderful intercessory prayers, those kinds that we lift up for others, that we speak on behalf of others. Some of the main themes in prayer are adoration, praise, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or petitions. And so there's many aspects of prayer, but I I would really like to uh, focus on the thanksgiving, the the gratitude. And so we often pray because of exceeding gratitude for things that God has already done for us. We think of the past. And then likewise, we speak to God relative to the circumstances that we're now in. And and we do that a lot. Most of our, uh, I think most of our 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 petitions probably fall into that category and rightfully so. And finally, we have prayers of gratitude that should focus on the future. And so grammatically speaking, there's there's gratitude that we should demonstrate. We see it in the Bible all all the time in the past, in the present, and in the future. So first I want to share a few things about gratitude for the past. And I have a feeling if I were to ask you, what is the number one thing you're most thankful for uh, in terms of thanking God? I got a feeling I would get a very similar answer from you. And on a Wednesday, I've heard the answer, and, and I know it would be there. It would be, it would be our salvation. And then, you know, everything that kind of oozes from that in our Christian walk. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Oh, I think I got the font there pretty well. Kurt, you could probably see that, can't you? <laughs> I wanted to make sure it was, it was big enough. So, in, in Paul's epistle to the saints and the, the faithful brethren in the city of Colossae, Paul encouraged his kinsmen in the Lord to join him in giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us and that's the key part that I wanted to dwell on with the, the past gratitude we should show. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So this prayer from Colossians looks back upon redemptive history set in motion by God on behalf of fallen humanity. In this passage from Colossians 1, 12 through 14 This passage shows that we have been delivered from the power of darkness, and as a result of that, we have eternal inheritance. We have an eternal inheritance in Christ as believers. It shows, it talks about a spiritual family that we're a part of, as part, and it's described as a kingdom of God, that we are a part of that spiritual family known as the kingdom of God, and God's plan of redemption that made it all possible. And I know Brother Vince has gotten into a lot of wonderful detail on theological terms, and redemption was certainly one of them. Simply put, when we look to our past, we want to thank Almighty God for our salvation. Now, within those verses, we have three quick things that, that, are, that, uh, that I want to focus on for this, uh, from this particular section. We are thankful that we have been made adequate, sufficient, or qualified for this grand inheritance, and it's because of our salvation. the inheritance The inheritance that finds its ultimate fruition in heaven, according to First Peter one four, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for you, the saint, the believer. So the sufficiency or our being qualified results from the vicarious death of God's Son, who, as a sinless sacrifice, offered himself on behalf of sinful humanity. And that leads into Romans three twenty-four to 26. It says this, "...being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, from Colossians 1, 12-14, a believer should show gratitude because of our inheritance that is a result of our past faith, which has resulted in our salvation. Then our spiritual family. We also see from this passage, our spiritual family, or as this passage from Galatians says, the kingdom of his son, that we are now a part of because our faith-based belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our thanksgiving here embraces the fact that we share a relationship with all other saints, all other separated ones, separated to the, unto the Father, all believers, We have left the power of darkness, and we've been translated into the kingdom of life, which is just a a wonderfully graphic picture of new life. Elsewhere in Scripture, you can read about the new birth, but being translated from darkness into light—that's us. That's us as believers. Our inheritance is in heaven. We are now. Part of a spiritual family that is heaven-bound and our gratitude to God should be on display in our lives. And it is. In this church, it is on display in so many different ways. Just, you know, I can't even begin to tell you the number of cards that we've gotten for various reasons. Some from out of the blue that somebody just wants to say something encouraging and not having to do with the foot or not even having to do with Peru or or what have you. And that's just, I, I think, the nature Of living out your faith. Our redemption. We are grateful that our spiritual state is one of redemption. We're released. And like I said, Brother Vince would have gone into a whole lot more detail than I am. But we're released from the indebtedness due to the payment that was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. That payment, of course, was paid by Jesus. And it involves the forgiveness of our sins. And so how blessed are we... That God provided the Son of his love for undeserving sinners, and that 's the beauty that 's the beauty of grace. So first, we look at thanksgiving or gratitude for the past, and we specifically see we have an inheritance because of our past faith, spiritual family as part of god 's kingdom, of which both are due to god 's redemptive plan through christ 's death on the cross. Then the next aspect. Is, is number two, is the gratitude of our present circumstances. And I think we, we, we have a tendency to, to spend a lot of time on this one. And I, and I really don't think there's anything wrong with it. We just, I, I think sometimes we got to be careful. I know I do. Uh, I don't want to just get caught up in, in, in focusing on myself. I want to think of others. I want to be able to live in the present but make sure I'm trying to to be an intercessor. I'm trying to live out what the Bible would have me do for others. But thanksgiving for present circumstances. Paul wrote in Colossians 3.17, he said, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here we are in our present life. Here we are, going about our everyday activity. Every day should be an expression of praise to the Lord, in the thoughts of our hearts, the words of our lips, and the actions of our busy days. I'll never forget Vince one time. Uh, this was this was enough a, a number of years ago, and he came up and uh, I think that's when we just came on board with you know going to Peru and and Southview was supporting. He said he said you're on the I forget exactly how he said it, but he said you're on the Highway Seventy Five prayer list. You know, and, and I and I wasn't really totally sure what that was, but I was thankful to be on it because I know he's faithful to, to pray, uh, but I had since learned more about it. You know, as he drives to work, he has a prayer list. And and that's the and that that, that meant a lot. And it still means an awful lot today. Slide this next slide, it talks a little bit about Romans. It says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, a very familiar verse. But let's, let's look at it in light of the, the, the present circumstances that we're trying to show gratitude to God for. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so our thanksgiving may be, should be, on a daily basis for those who presently in our lives love us, those presently in our lives who inspire us, mean so much to us, on our heavenward journey. Paul constantly engaged in prayers and thanksgiving for such people in his life, and we should too. To the Roman believers in Romans 1-9, he says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Paul was extremely thankful for people in his life that you could say inspired inspired him in a spiritual way to the corinthians that we know he uh, you know he had a number of serious issues with with the corinthians but he says this i thank my god always concerning you for the grace of god which was given to you by christ jesus i think we would have a hard time if we were paul <laughs> If if we were dealing with some Corinthians, the way what Paul just said, that was a wonderful thing for him to say, even though he was struggling in a major way with some of those folks. Then in Second Timothy one three, he writes this. You know, one of his uh, one of the his last letter to the young protege Timothy, he says he writes to his dear young protege Timothy. He says, "I thank God who I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did." as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. He is thankful for that young man in his life. And one more to show Paul's thankfulness for fellow workers in Christ from the salutation in Philemon 4. Thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. And so what, the, the point that I wanted to make as I lead out of those verses is that these prayers of gratitude by Paul for some spiritually special people in his life, should be and can be a model for you and I. Paul reminds us not to only thank the Lord for people he has brought into our lives, but to personally thank them for their encouragement. So we, 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 uh, we're thankful for our pastor, and, and we, we say that to God Almighty. But if you get a chance, say it to him. You know, you're, you're thankful for your Sunday school, whatever the case may be. Because that could be just the thing that person needs to, you know, to give them that spiritual shot in the arm. And so I would like to suggest that you make it a point soon to thank someone that has been a spiritual encouragement, a blessing, a spiritual blessing to you. So now moving on from gratitude to God for the past and present to, to our last point, and that's gratitude for the future, which is hard, sometimes we just don't think of. I know with, with the pastor you have, I know you think of it because he is, he is so, you know, he's so tuned in to uh, prophecy. He's so knowledgeable and so tuned in to those things that it keeps us thinking about the future. Because there are people, uh, it happens in Peru, they say, you know, why do you spend time studying prophecy? You know, what good does it do? You should be concentrating on, you know, whatever, you know, whatever they would want you to concentrate on. There are so many things to be thankful for, for what God tells us that is in our future. Even though this last section of the message is about gratitude for the future victory, of which we often first think of in the book of Revelation, we want to just remind ourselves that this final book of the New Testament very much deals with past, present, and future. I don't really have time to elaborate a whole bunch on that, but... The the book of Revelation isn't not just about the the future. There's a lot there. But the book of Revelation brings together the three aspects of Thanksgiving. It brings together past, present, and future. And we can see that in certain verses like Revelation 1-4. And Revelation 1-4 is an example of this. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So this book of Revelation was sent initially to the seven churches of Asia, as as you've heard wonderful messages on. And another verse that shows this past, present, and future idea is the key verse. And whenever you teach the book of Revelation, you like to really hit this home and, and let your students know how important Revelation 119 is. This is considered the key verse in the book of Revelation. John is told to write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. And of course he does. He is asked to do that and he writes those things out. The things which John has seen were written about in chapter 1. The things which are in the present conditions which... Uh, are, they're found. Uh, they were they were taking place. Uh, they were taking place then at, at the first century and at John's time. And and we see uh, extrapolations into the whole church age in chapters two and three. And the things which will take place in the future are found in chapters four through twenty-two. So the book of Revelation is full of future, but it also has some wonderful reminders of past and present. And so there are some awe-inspiring future scenes that John is privileged to see and and then writes them down so that you and I can know about them. And we're going to look at a a, a couple of those. We're going to look at a couple of those uh, passages. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 16, 17 and 18, there's a description of 24 elders believed to represent the raptured church that is in heaven at this time. Who sit before God on the thrones appointed for them. They are depicted as falling upon their faces and worshiping God, and from them issues this prayer of thanksgiving. This is taking place in the future, during the tribulation in heaven. We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, and who was, and who is to come, because you have taken your great power. And reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the of the dead, and they should be judged, and you should reward your servants and prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. And so, from these two verses, we read some wonderful things. We read, Lord God Almighty. God is described as Lord, as one possessing authority ultimate authority. God characterized by the nature of his deity. And then we read he's described as Almighty, having unlimited power. He is represented as the one who is, who was, and who is to come. God always was and always will be. And then the part that just is just extra special is that there's prophetic certainty in, in victory. The prayer speaks to the coming time of consummation of earth and in mankind as we know it. But interestingly enough, in, in in the grammatical form, it says, Your wrath has come, suggests that the events have already transpired. And with God, it's a done deal. They've already taken place, even though for you and I, it's a future event. This is because of their prophetic certainty. God has taken his great power and he reigns. The Lord has begun his reign. In other words, God is stating that his reign is as good as started because his prophetic word is sure even though still in the future. And that's a tremendous encouragement for us. From this passage of Revelation 11, 17 through 18, we also see victory over rebellion. There's constant rebellion. There's going to be, there's rebellion taking place today. Even at the end of the millennium, there's going to be a rebellion. As crazy as that sounds, it's going to happen. And so from this passage, we also see victory over rebellion. The nations have raged in their angry rebellion against God. And as a cross-reference, it as an encouragement to you and I, you can read Psalm 2.1. Why do the nations rage and the, and the people plot a vain thing? Because it is a vain thing. It is probably perhaps the most vain thing that anybody could do to rage against God Almighty. But divine anger, God's anger, divine anger trumps theirs. The wrath of God is not an impulsive response in the sense that humans get angry. Rather... It is a way of describing the full measure of holy justice to be inflicted upon those who mock the Lord and reject His authority and have the nerve to, to have wrath against Almighty God. The last days of earth history is portrayed. It is time for the dead to be judged. The spiritually dead is talked about here in Revelation 20, 11 through 12. And as you know, it's called the Great White Throne Judgment. In Revelation, in Revelation 15, and Revelation twenty eleven through 12, we read about this. We read about, Then I saw a great white throne, and, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And we're not going to be at that judgment. These dead are the spiritual dead that we just read about. Unbelievers just about ready to stand before God at the great white throne judgment. How sad. This great white throne judgment is for unbelievers and not to be confused with the judgment seat of Christ where believers will receive their rewards. Now back to Revelation 11:17, just for a little bit. Thanksgiving to God. The prayer that we first read from Revelation 11:17 through18 expresses thanksgiving to God for the fact that the faithful he talked about the prophets, the saints, all who fear the Lord, great and small, will receive the reward promised to them. Additionally, there will be the destruction of the wicked. Example: their everlasting separation from the Lord, they are hell-bound, and so on. And so the last future event reality that I would like to mention is one that I shared with you a few months ago. And so this, you think if you remember what Albert said 12 years ago, this is just a couple months. And so this this should ring a bell, and I hope it does, because it was perhaps the most meaningful part of anything I said about missions in those couple messages a couple months ago. And that is, and I just, and I, and I dearly love saying this, because some people can be, missions sometimes can be, folks can get discouraged. You know, things aren't working. Uh, it's not going the way that they think they should. And, and, and there's just, you know, even in our short time on the mission field and, and being older when we got on the field, we, we've seen some things that, you know, it just brings tears to your eyes. They really do. They just kind of tear at your heart about missionaries on the field and, and this or that happens and they get discouraged and they come back or, or they're, they're not able to get that church started that they thought they were called to do and uh, and, they, and they, they resign and they, 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 they do something else. And, uh, and I'm afraid I could give you some other examples of that too. A um, Missionary life is, is just not easy and, and we haven't even gone through some of those hard things because our situation has been different so, if you get a chance to pray for your missionaries, please do it on a regular basis. Because there are, Satan would just love to see them sent home. He would just love to see their 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 testimony destroyed. Sorry, a little sidetrack there, but uh, I, I wanted to share these last two verses that I shared with you a couple months ago because they are the absolute most encouraging things there could be for a missionary. And that's, and that's this reality from Revelation 5, 9 and 7, 9. And it says, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And we know that that's God Almighty. Jesus Christ was the only one worthy to take that and, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. But this is the missionary part that I wanted to, to, to bring out again. There you are in heaven, standing before the throne once again. Jesus Christ is taking the scroll from God Almighty, and he's opening the seals. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can open it up, the title deed of the universe. And have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That is going to happen. Even though there are times when we say, boy, there's not enough money. Or there are 1,650 unreached people groups. How in the world are we going to get this job done? It's going to get done. Because God tells us it gets done. What I just read is something that takes place in heaven during the tribulation. And so there are people from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation in heaven. And then from um, 7 9, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number. Here it is again. Here it is again. These people are in heaven from all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. If we ever get discouraged that it doesn't seem like missions is working, then just read these two verses. Because it not only works, it's going to be an absolute success. This is a powerful reminder that missions will reach every nation, every people, tongue, and tribe, for the simple reason that we see all these groups in heaven. Let us, therefore, frame our prayers in all tenses. When we pray, think about the past and be thankful for that salvation you have. The present, and, the, and the emphasis, there, there's lots we can pray about in, in the present, but I wanted to emphasize the reality of thanking somebody somebody that was spiritually special in your life that maybe got you out of the the spiritual doldrums and got you going and then of course the future and be grateful for the gift of prayer as, as as that we have as believers as sons and daughters of God he has been faithful he is being faithful and he will be faithful in the future and throughout eternity and to fully realize that we too just like the heavenly host, can lift up our voices in devout thanksgiving for the glorious victory, that, that glorious victory that Christ is coming back, and he's going to conquer all evil. He's going to usher in a perfect heaven prepared for us, his followers, and for the thrilling reward that is described in, and I want to close with 2 Timothy four eight. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. You can't even think about the crown of righteousness unless you are a believer. And so, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so, I leave you with this question Can you claim that crown? Can you claim that victory? If there is any doubt about your salvation, if there's any doubt about being able to claim the crown of righteousness, which says that you love His appearing, you're looking forward to it. If you have any questions or doubt about that, please see one of the elders after the service. Let's pray.